Hello listeners, hope you're all well. Welcome back to the Campbell's Footballs podcast uh, with your host Dr. Grant Campbell and I'm joined uh, for this episode uh, by the host of Beyond Canal Park podcast, the excellent James McClay who uh, is doing really well here in the northeast of Scotland. James, a warm welcome to the show. Thank you, Grant. It's a pleasure to be on. It's really good to chat with you, mate. Um, how have you been doing during these tricky times? Because, as I said, your podcast has really been going from strength to strength right since the lockdown, hasn't it? Uh, well, yeah, I'm just glad to be on tonight to see how it's done properly and professionally, though. Oh, don't be, don't be so like that. I mean, you, you've been doing really well during this lockdown, haven't you? You've had some really uh, great no, guests uh, on. If anything, it's kind of increased people's appetite for nostalgia and, and stories, I think. So, um it also with the sort of advent of the Zoom and stuff, it's been easier to do people from a distance, so it's been it's been good. Yeah, absolutely. And through COVID, it's it's certainly having to change our ways in terms of adapting uh, our own lifestyles and things like that. How's it been for you outside of your own podcast? Uh, pretty good. I mean, I, I work and run sort of, or help run a, a children's home and school for for looked after young people so we kind of stop you know we've been all the way through working non-stop mm. the kids live with us 24 7 so uh, it's been been busy and challenging but uh, it's kind of kept me almost normal yeah absolutely it must be rewarding as well though for you to interact with uh, with young kids who you know obviously as are as you said are, are having to um live with us as well as ourselves of course yeah no i know it, it is it's it's challenging but it's rewarding it's it's different every day so uh it's it's good. It's something I've done for for a couple of decades almost now. So it's uh, it's enjoyable still. Yeah, absolutely. Can you give uh, my listeners a, a bit of a background as to where you're based and and what else you do in the world of football before we uh, kick off the show? Ah, uh, sure. Um, I'm I'm based up in uh, well, it's actually Ladies Bridge now, but just outside Banff. I'm from McDuffin Banff, so uh, being involved in, in football since I was able to walk basically but around here but uh, more recently involved in different side on the committee physio and occasional goalkeeper yeah absolutely and, and I'm really looking forward to, to looking into this uh, more depth uh, during this podcast which yeah. I'm really excited to chat with you about James it's fabulous to have you on um, I always ask my guests as an opening question opening gambit if you like uh, what made you want to get into football in the first place because everybody's got a, a routine as to uh-huh. how they got themselves into football what was yours? I guess it was my dad basically uh, he was sort of very into football no, it's not necessarily playing in a team, but just just kicking about with us. Really, and me and my brother were just obsessed with, with football. As soon as we could walk, we, we played all the time up the park in the garden, in the house. You know, everything we did was was centered around around football. So, uh, you know, even if it was uh, the weather was snowing, whatever, we'd play in the, the hallway. My mum's got a lot of one armed and one legged ornaments <laughs> for those days. Uh, and I should give my mum some credit as well because when my dad was working a lot, she she would often come out and play with us, and she had multiple broken uh, sets of glasses as well, and driving us around <laughs> oh, to the northeast to play football. So I need to, to thank her because when I interviewed my brother on his podcast, uh, he didn't thank her. So I'll get the brownie points for that. Your brother does a show as well, does he? No, no, he came on mine. Ah, okay. Oh, sorry, I apologise. Uh, I didn't quite catch that. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, my brother was the better player out of the two, but he's obviously just retired this the end of this season. He was Devonside player manager for ah, okay. for five years recently, mm-hmm. so uh, obviously a big influence in my football journey as well. Yeah, I mean, for for yourself, um, kind of taking part in the game, obviously at a very young age, you know, like myself, you know, was jumpers for goalposts, wasn't it, during uh-huh. the, the, the yeah. school lunchtime and, and break times, and, you know, it was a good laugh, wasn't it? Uh, every every sort of morning in school, you're you're figuring out who's who's with who. But I, I went to school. A really good friend of mine at primary school, Terry Kidd, who who went on to play for Aberdeen. He was captain of Aberdeen's youth team when they won the the Scottish Youth Cup. Uh, but he was excellent. And what we did was we stuck our friend Gonzo in goals, and the two of us took on the rest of the class. And then usually we'd win. Uh, so I thought I was brilliant at football back then. 
until I went to secondary school and realised that all I was good at was winning the ball back and giving it to Terry. So uh, my career deteriorated at that point. <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. I mean, one of my memories of school is, um, you know, whoever had the ball was in charge, and it, they always we'd always have to line up. It was always like against the wall if you're playing, and somebody else would be a team captain, and then the captains obviously would choose. And I was usually one of the last ones to be picked because I was absolutely rubbish. I had I I had no, a one footed. I was one footed, and even that wasn't very good. So I used to always kind of play as referee now and again, which I thought was quite okay. funny. Um, I had no technical ability. Whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> well, neither did I, but that didn't stop me. No, it was good fun. It was good fun. It was good memories as well. And now and again, I did play in goal myself before I wore glasses, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, it always was um, I was quite a battering I would get because you know, usually our team was uh, probably one of the weaker ones, but uh, <laughs> nevertheless, it was it was all good fun. What about your your own self? Um, who were your footballing inspirations and idols, both on a local level, but also just following the yeah. game? From before, um, I guess uh, in, on the coaching side of things, uh, my my dad uh, ran the local team as well, along with, with Jimmy Cumming and, and Paul Shepherd, were the two guys who were our coaches to start with. Uh, so need to give a shout out to them. And then when we were moving into school, it was Stuart Nielsen, the famous Stuart Nielsen, uh, our PE teacher, who was also sort of Scotland schoolboys coach as well. And he, his training was well ahead of its time, and we kind of took that for granted. Our school teams, you know, we we swept the board with with teams in the area uh, around about my time. Mm. In terms of the pro game, uh, my dad got me into Rangers at a pretty early age, so uh, the early teams I can remember were like Terry Butcher, Chris Woods and goals, Trevor Stephen, even Sunis was still playing around about then, and then it got into sort of McCoy's, Tately, Loudrop, Gaza, and Andy Gorham, who, as my role as a goalkeeper sometimes, gave me hope that I could play because he was a very similar build to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean some terrific, <laughs> some terrific Rangers names you mentioned there. I mean, Gorham is is just sheer class. I mean, I always enjoyed the battle between him and Jim Layton for Scotland number one. Uh-huh. I mean, you had two yeah. tremendous goalkeepers, and it was always very, very difficult to to choose who would be. But Gorham was was just sheer class, wasn't he? As was Chris Woods, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and uh, lucky I got to, to meet some of them. They came up to play Devon Vale, another of my, my teams I used to go watch really? uh, in a sort of pre-season friendly. So I got to meet McCoy, uh, Chris Woods, uh, and a few of the other guys. It was it was brilliant. I mean, um, I mean, did you get to chat with Ali? Because Ali's just well. He's well just brilliant, luckily, this was my mum's kind of my mum's quick thinking. I think my dad must be working. My mum took us to the game, and uh, everyone was waiting outside the changing rooms, chanting "Super Ali, Super Ali." So my mum said, "Let's go around the back," and he, right enough, he jumped out the window. So we were about the only ones who got his autograph that day. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> what a top guy. And did you did you think that he would go on to to manage Rangers? And then obviously, he's had a really good media career since leaving the club. Yeah. I can see the media thing, you know, when he was on sort of question of sport and that, you know, he's natural, he's a naturally funny, entertaining guy. But I was very surprised that he was a manager, actually. I think he worked well with, with Walter Smith as a, as a sort of striking coach and an assistant, but I don't think he's maybe manager material just with his personality. Yeah, I mean, I love his banter with Alan Brazil on TalkSport. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the two of them just are absolutely perfect for one another. And, you know, it, it's just so funny. I think the two of them just make a show on a, on a, a breakfast morning and it is very, definitely. very funny. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I never mentioned my local kind of team there, Devon Vale, the guys I used to like watching as well, like Eddie Walecki, who who now is, is managing one of the women's teams. It could be Celtic. Right. Um, and uh, Dippy Dolan, who's now the manager, he was coming on the scene round about then, and the old goalie, Colin Randall, who unfortunately died, I think, recently. Mm-hmm. Um and Nigel Montgomery, who's a who's a Vale legend. Yeah, uh, used to love watching watching games down at Princess Royal Park. Uh, most young kids my age would go and have a kick about down the fence, but I, I always preferred watching that games. And for, for those reason, who because I was pretty yeah. poor. And for those who don't know Princess Royal Park, Devon and Vale, up in McDuff Banff area, uh, a really tremendous old seater stadium, isn't it? It is now, yeah. Back then, in my early days, it was an old wooden shed, but uh, around about uh, sort of the late nineties, I think they. They uh, got a brand new stand and multi gym for the, the community can use and that, so it's brilliant set up. Still, still pretty good for the Highland League these days. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the clubs continues to do decent in the Highland League, but obviously maybe doesn't have the spending power it once used to have because back in the early two thousands they were really one of the most dominant teams in the Highland League, weren't they? Along with Huntley. 
definitely. Well, uh, yeah, they kind of took over for Huntley. They didn't quite reach the levels that that, that great Huntley team did. A bit, a bit more inconsistent with the amount of titles, but uh, what a team! Yeah, I think if they'd kept the management team together as well, they might have won more uh, if they kept Greg Carroll and Billy Anderson together. But but a great, great team. It was great to watch. Yeah, I mean they've also had some some really good matches in the the, the Scottish Cup as well, and and you know it's great uh, to see the, the the Highland League teams involved in the Scottish Cup because there's always some great stories, isn't there? Uh huh. And I, I usually get them on the on the, my podcast when I interview the guys. Uh, they've always got a story to tell about trips away and things. It's brilliant, and they they ran sort of Park Thistle and teams like that close as well. So they yeah. they held their own. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's testament because you know I always feel that when the Highland League Cup a club comes up against a, a lower league, League Two side or a League One side, normally they would usually be be punching above their weight to get a result. But that gap is definitely closing, isn't it? Definitely the the gap. I think there are players now that um, are probably better off playing Highland League or South of Scotland League um, and working full time, money wise. These yeah. days, a lot of people, it's not worth it to go full-time. So there are definitely teams and players in the Highland League that are better than some of that. And I think with the pyramid system, we're going to see a big change in the teams in that bottom two leagues. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to me about Devon's side, because you mentioned that you were involved with them. And myself, once upon a time, was involved with Ellen United, at my, my local junior yeah. team. Junior-led football is really good fun, isn't it? Brilliant. Uh, brilliant it's something that I got into really late I'm actually in the playing sense I made my uh, junior fit my debut at 31 nearly 32 as a goalkeeper wow. uh, I remember it well it was a yeah. one-all draw away to Stonehaven who were flying at the time wow. and uh, I need probably thank uh, Colin Legg and Ernie Mill for keeping the ball away from me as much as possible <laughs> that day I'm glad you said that you, you made your debut at 31 because I had Owen Bradley on the show from Coleraine and he was 29 okay, yeah. when, and he was 29 when he started he played Gaelic football before moving into to playing under uh, Gary Hamilton and then and obviously uh, um, Oren Kearney at, at Coleraine and yeah. it's, it's fantastic to hear his story but you, you made your debut at an even older age which is uh, really testament to yourself I think uh, I think they were more forced into it my, my brother and uh, my friend Wayne uh, my colleague that uh, were the managers the co-managers and basically they didn't have anyone else and it was uh, I had a pair of gloves so I was in yeah, talk to me about the relationship. You, <laughs> sorry, talk to me about the relationship you have with your brother because you you mentioned earlier on that your brother was the more technically gifted player of the two of you. Oh. I mean, would you say that's a fair analysis? Oh, 100 percent. My brother, my brother is probably one of the best Devonside players in the last sort of 15 years. He's he won the Player of the Year multiple times. He was top scorer for midfield on on two or three occasions for mm. seasons. Um, he, he probably could have played. Highland League but uh, he's a bit like me he's, he lets his fitness get the best of him uh, at times he doesn't look like a football player sometimes mm. but uh, certainly that left foot was a, a bit of a wand he could score goals uh, he, he was a great player certainly at that level of the juniors Super League and Devon's side uh, for quite a few seasons were well down the, the junior system weren't they and now they're back up into the yeah. Super League and, and really doing well yeah yeah, well, uh, John and Wayne managed to get us relegated, but uh, they also managed to get us, uh, managed to get us promoted again. So we'll let them off for that. Yeah. Uh, so I was I was uh, juggling my role as, as vice chairman and physio and uh, backup goalkeeper. So uh, luckily, I didn't have to sack them. Uh, they left of their own accord. A man of many talents. <laughs> But uh, no, I actually played in the game um, where we got promoted back to the Super League. It was, it was a league game. But it was basically a shootout between us and Brock United uh, down down at the Brock. We needed a draw. Uh, then they needed a win. They were two one up. We twelve seconds to go. And my brother toe poked one in the net, and and we got promoted. Yeah. Uh, and before the game, I was saying to him, "Look, you, you want to go find a better keeper to play because we'd actually won the cup final the week before, and uh, our keeper got concussion, and so wasn't allowed Ooh. to play under the new rules." So uh -huh. he says, "You're in, James." I says, "Well, you know, you don't want to find someone better." He says, "Look, I'm not too bothered if we get promoted. It's going to be tough with us with a young team in that league anyway." Yeah. Uh, and then he goes and, and pokes one in the last second himself to promote us. So yeah, uh, there we go. But I'd, I'd pulled my hamstring in that game ten minutes in as well. So. Really? Uh, I was lucky if my goal kicks were going out of my box, to be honest. <laughs> they were never good at the best of times. 
Oh dear, goalkeeper for the well, hamstring injury after 10 minutes, that's pretty much unheard of almost. Well, it's not if you know my levels of fitness. But, uh, <laughs> Don't worry about it, I'm, I'm, the, I'm even uh, worse myself. I mean, I mean, I never played. I mean, I think the, the belly during the lockdown has certainly shown that. Uh, well, I've, I've been trying to shift mine on, uh, after uh, the initial lockdown period, so it's it's going pretty well again. But the uh, the opposite goalkeeper that day, actually, I interviewed a few weeks ago for, for my podcast, Blair Tate, who's an absolutely fantastic goalie and was probably man of the match that day. He didn't deserve to be on the losing side. He must have been looking down at me and thinking, what the hell is that up there? Yeah. And, and, you, <laughs> and you and I both know there's some real characters in the junior league, isn't there, on, in, oh, in all yes. teams? I mean, is there any yes, that you've definitely. come up against that you want to talk about? Yeah, I, I guess um, I'll talk about one who, I, who I've also interviewed, and that's Lewis Muirhead. I don't know if you've came yes, across him. Yes, yes. Richard uh, Don manager. Richard, Richard yeah. Don, yeah. yes. Um, so, we came up, up against him for years, and he's he's a bit of like the part of mine villain of the league. Um, it's, it's all an act. Um, he probably wins his team six points a season by acting the way he does on the touchline. Mm-hmm. But it was so good to go. He invited me to his house when I did the the recording uh, and he was a totally different guy and he's so passionate about his football about his club um, and, and I think under him and the chairman I think it's Barry Park I think that, that club will go place and I wouldn't be surprised uh, if we saw them in the Highland League in the next 10-15 years Yeah absolutely well I, I mean as an Ellen United uh, follower uh, Bridge of Dawn have been a bit of a scourge uh, for <laughs> Ellen in yep. recent seasons I mean one of the games I'll always remember and if Stephen Main is listening to this uh, he might want to turn it off now because uh, one of the games <laughs> I'll always remember is uh, Bridge of Dawn winning 5-4 in an extraordinary game at uh, the Chris Anderson Stadium uh, Leonard Johnson and Lenny Johnson uh, uh-huh. scored Yep. Four, four goals that day um, and Bridge of Dawn somehow won the game with 10 men a game that Bridge of Dawn really should not have won I mean I mean, Ellen terrifically come back from 3-1 yep. and 4-2 down to, to get a 4-4 um, Lenny scored one of the best free kicks I think I've ever seen following Ellen United to have come away with nothing from that match was just a real sickener in it and really yep. was, uh, that was a real shame for us that afternoon but there were some other really awful results for us I mean we, we ended up getting beat 9-0 um, last year which was uh, quite an astonishing afternoon I think we ended up with 9 men um, uh-huh. everything that went wrong went wrong for us that day and uh, yeah it was just an absolute disaster but credit to them you know they're a quality side they, I think they went to, to Banks of D and, and won 2-1 last season and yep. um, my, my great friend Ewan Beatty if he's listening to this he was uh, I think on the line for that game and I think the winning okay. goal came from uh, one of the one of their players actually chipping the the Bridget on goalkeeper, Banks of nice. D goalkeeper sorry from the from the halfway line so um, yeah. they are a very capable sign and of course they've had a really good run in the uh, Scottish Junior Cup as well so uh, as you say right. a club with heavy ambitions yeah, and I think uh, they're going for the world record for uh, longest ever pre-season this year, so I think they'll, they'll certainly be, be up there in terms of fitness. Yeah, absolutely. I and, don't and know if you followed our Facebook, but they've been, they've been training since about May, I think, really? so uh, yeah. they've got to be fit. But that, that, but that shows the organisation yes. behind it. Yeah, and it shows what they're planning to try and look towards long term. Because you look at Banks of D, I mean, anybody who knows Banks of D in, the, in this area knows what a dominant force they are in the Junior League, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm surprised. I don't know if I don't know if they want to go up, or if I think they applied before to get in the Highland League and they they got rejected. Probably Highland League clubs looking after their own interests. But I don't know if that's put them off, or if they fancy a tilt at the Highland League. But they're certainly good enough. They'd be a top four, top five team in the Highland League easily. They give they gave Highland League teams doings in the cups. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would be probably better now for the Junior League if if they were to go up. But I certainly think. Bridget Dawn and Hermes are in a place where they could certainly challenge as well. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, I mean, Banks of D, with all due respect, you know, they are a quality side. You know, not many teams beat them on the, on every given day. I mean, I, I've been to, to follow them obviously with with Alan, and they're a class yep. side. I mean, you, you have to give them respect, but at the same time, you you have to be in their faces and, and be up for the fight as well. And you know, there's a there's a lot of teams that struggle to do that against them. But you know, in my opinion, I I don't know if they're ambitious enough. To move in the Highland League, as you mentioned, you know, I I, I think yeah. they have applied to, to possibly go in. I, I think they would be a breath of fresh air to the Highland League. I wonder if the situation with Cove moving up to League One gives them an opportunity to move in because obviously the obviously Brora should have been given the opportunity to, to get into yeah. the pyramid system as well, and that didn't happen. And I just wonder if that 
and materialised, thanks to the amount of said, hang on, let's see if we can you know, even the league up a little bit because you know it's it would have become a little uh, little light in terms of number of teams. Yeah, I think I think it depends who gets relegated out the, out of senior football as well. But I, I think the the league will need to open its doors a bit as well, definitely, um, or else there's going to be a, a shrinking of that league, which is a great league. I love the Highland League, and um, there's some fantastic clubs and players in that league. So uh, I think Banks of be a a great addition to that league I don't know if they want it I don't know if they sometimes sign players who would rather play junior football than Highland League maybe older guys who've played Highland League I noticed uh, they signed Gary McGowan recently mm-hmm. who'd, who'd retired I think from Highland League and then has came back within five seconds um, looking forward to interviewing him soon actually excellent that'll be a very good listen so I, don't know what, I don't know what their ambitions are but they'd definitely be, be worth uh, go with the Highland League and then maybe give some of us other small clubs a, a chance at Super League success. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, you, you mentioned Hermes and, and another club, two clubs I want to add in this is Cooter and Dice Juniors because yep. every time I've gone yep. to see uh, those three sides, they're always very good as well. They're always well organised. They're always very tough to beat. Do you think they can kick yep. on and close the gap on Banks of and maybe Bridget on if you're saying they're the second best team? Well, I, I'm not sure if they're second best team at the moment, but I think they certainly can be. But Cooter uh, kind of had their spell. Uh, I mean, they're always in the, in the top bit of the league, and they're always a good side. And it's one team that we just can never beat. It's, I don't think I've ever seen us get any points off Cooter in my time mm-hmm. at Devon side. Uh, Banks of D, we had a great winner. We actually played them on Princess Royal one day because Canal Park was uh, was flooded. Right. And we beat them 5-4 after being 4-1 down at half time. Damo Wojcik had the game of his life that day but uh, and Dice we've had some good tussles with Dice and usually they beat us but uh, we have some great balls with Dice as well Alan United has some cracking balls with Dice I mean there was one game I remember in particular we were we were 2-0 up um, at Ian Muir Park uh, James Bain scored a double and, and actually should have had a third goal He's uh, his goal was ruled out for a very very controversial offside which I was standing bang in line with the assistant referee and I was pretty sure he was onside um, yeah. we, then conceded, we then conceded a penalty uh, which allowed Dice to go back and then 60 seconds later it's 2-2 and suddenly we're left fighting to try and get a point which we, we ended up getting but it was a game that really was turned in the space of 90 seconds by an offside goal that that um, that I thought was dodgy to say the least and, and a penalty which was uh, you know obviously uh-huh. a big turning point and I think the penalty was the correct decision but nevertheless that was a big moment well, it sounds better than my last experience playing at uh, Ian Mare Park because uh, I, I played in goals in a 9-0 defeat. Mm. Uh, they so are, we both uh, know what it's like to experience 9-0s. <laughs> Except <laughs> I never played, I was a spectator. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I think every shot they had on goal in that day, I think they were going through my legs, through arms, I was getting pelters from the crowd. Uh, the sponsors were giving me pelters behind the goals saying they were going to name me man of the match and I'd have to go and pick up the trophy. It was just a, a dismal day all round, to be honest. Uh, I really uh, consider ever playing football again after that. Now, well, I, I wanted to ask you about that because when you're on the end of a, a, a beating like that and you've had an absolute nightmare, how tough is it mentally to recover from that? Can you recover? can when it's team teams like that I th- and it's a one-off I think if it's happening every week then we'd have to look at ourselves but uh, at that season as well we were struggling for players and we, that was the season we got relegated um, so it was it was tough but I think a couple of weeks later we went on beat Hermes 2-1 that was another game I played in it was actually the first our first win at our new park at Myris um, our new facilities there so uh, that was a bit of history I suppose well being yeah. made but we, we got relegated on our record low points that year it was a tough season yeah. uh, we also went down to Rother Glen um, and took 8 not not long after that mm. uh, it was 8-0 but we kind of let ourselves off there they were they had a guy who scored a hat-trick who'd just been released from Celtic you wow. know there was a guy on loan from Falkirk you know and we had me uh, uh, an ageing <laughs> 14 stone goalkeeper who's 5 foot 8 you know so that's the beauty shows of the, the, the junior league though isn't it that's the beauty of the junior yeah. league though is that you get so many characters from all walks of life playing the game whether you're just coming through at 17, 18 to people like yourself who you know are stop start in the game and, and you know are, are just helping people out it, it's good fun yeah. isn't it when all said and done it is it is it's good cards but I guess I guess for the North region to be taken seriously down south we 
we need to be uh, up in our game a bit. I think I, I think there's, although we enjoy our football, I don't think it's always as professional as it, as it can be some, yeah. for some clubs. And you me- I mean, you mentioned Rutherglen. I mean, we played Gart Cairn last year in the, the Scottish Junior Cup and we lost 5-0, yeah. and I think it was 5 or 6-0, I can't remember, but we were we were outclassed. Um, and it didn't help that we went down to 10 men earlier on in that game. Um, <laughs> you know, it was two yellow cards. Uh, but they were a class side, they, they dominated the game and they have a great facility at Gart Cairn and if they're listening in, a big shout out to those guys because I really wish them well because they've got a big future I think in, in junior yeah. people. Um, yeah. uh, it seems to be down south, I don't know what's going to happen up here but down south they're all sort of going towards the the uh, Lowland League mm-hmm. kind of system now, the East of Scotland League, whatever it's called now. Yeah. Uh, so junior football is almost down south. It's dying out a bit, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and there's going to be a new system in place. So a lot of those big clubs that are well supported uh, and a lot better run than league clubs are mm-hmm. uh, are going to be coming up through the system. And I think we need to follow suit up here. I think. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's a really interesting point. To catch up with more Campbell's Football's podcasts, please listen to more on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Let's move on to talk about specifically about your uh, role with Beyond Canal Park uh, podcast, which yes. is absolutely fantastic podcast. I've really enjoyed listening to, to some of your stories so far. Uh, first of all, how did the concept come about? I guess just, I've enjoyed listening to podcasts for quite a while. I've got a dog who who likes long walks, so, uh, you know, I'm really into music, but I was finding that I'm not really into new music, and and the music that I was listening to all the time, I didn't want to sicken myself of, so uh, somebody recommended a few podcasts and started listening to Open Goal and and the Crouchy one uh, when it came out, so... I started listening to them, but the real ones that inspired me was actually, it's actually, I know that people, a lot of people don't like them, but Stan Collymore did one, it didn't run for very long, but he did really in-depth interviews with, with characters of the game it, it really dug down, and it wasn't just sort of what they did on a night out, it was it was properly getting into things with John Hartson about cancer, and, and uh, Stan Petrov and things Yeah. Uh, so that kind of was inspiring me, and also the other one on the flip side to that was, was it's a really funny one called Top Flight Time Machine I don't know if you've, no, if you've came across it no, they're really good podcast. The Andy Dawson and Sam Delaney, um, and they do sort of reviews of old Premier League seasons and, and reviews of current sort of seasons, and it's it's, uh, but but also really really quite funny. But I thought, ah, oh, let's let's do one for a laugh for Devon side. Interview a couple of those guys just for our social media. I didn't expect you know more than like 10, 20 people to listen and and to do more one and two. I did one with the captain Colin Legg and one with the manager Mikey Duncan, the new manager. Um, and it just kind of really took off. I, I really got to thank them for, for being my guinea pigs also. I, I didn't do any editing or anything for them. Yeah. We just stuck them out. So, uh, And it took off and people seemed to enjoy it. And then it just grew from there. It was... So something that was born out of a laugh was, was is grown. Yeah, I mean, mine was exactly the same with mine because I started mine as a Facebook Live concept, you know, just yeah, a yeah. monologue of talking about, you know, my own thoughts on the week in football. I would always kind of talk about, like, the Champions League and Europa League and then sort of bring yeah. it back to Scottish football. And then at the end, I'd do my predictions and then give a bit of a shout-out to some of my local clubs, mostly the Ellen yes, teams sorry. and some of the local teams in the area. And then, obviously, last year, I thought, OK, I'm going to make this into a podcast because I just don't have the time to to sit and do these live things every Friday night or or whatever I could do them. Um, And I I started doing the first four or five and they were decent. I mean, I I just had set up a SoundCloud account. I wasn't sure how that was going to go. And then really my sort of first real buzz into it was was getting Paul Mitchell to come on my show from BBC Mm. Scotland. Um, I knew Paul through Lon Bolan. Uh, He obviously commentates on the the Scottish Indoor Bowling Championships. And just to chat with Paul about his career and commentary and, and a little bit about bowling as well and his involvement with uh, National Football League stuff 
um, was yeah. really really interesting to, to hear and then suddenly that kind of grew from there I mean I ended up chatting to people like Michael Clark in Northern Ireland I've got a big connection with Northern Irish football and you know I've really kind of been interested yeah. in, in that line and then I've just thought you know what let's let's try and make up like a spider diagram of football and it's connecting nodes and try and get as many people connected within football as possible because I've got a, you know people in commentary people in you know statistical analysis people who've done played the game like yourselves obviously and and just looking at range levels and then before you know I was getting people like Guy Mowbray coming on and I've, I've been personally yeah, speaking to Craig Brown and people like Matt Holland and that and I feel really honoured but at the same time I, I, I'm like yourself I just do it because I enjoy it yeah, I mean, it's never going to be, uh, it's never going to be a money maker thing. It was never about that. No. Um, but uh, I guess if I had my time again, uh, back to school, uh, this is maybe the area that I probably should have gone into job wise. But uh, it's fine. It's a good hobby. And now that I'm not so involved in playing in match day and things, it gave me a chance, uh, some a hobby basically. Yeah. Um, but uh, also just like. There's so many great characters playing, playing or have played from the north in the north of Scotland. One hundred percent agree. And there's so much stories out there with no platform to yeah, tell them, and definitely. that's kind of how it's grown. Um, you talked a bit about the Huntley team there. Uh, my, my dad uh, went to uni with, with Steve Patterson, actually. They're both social workers, and yeah. um, we had a link there, so we used to go watch that Huntley team a lot, especially if Devonville weren't at home. Uh, and watching guys like Martin Stewart and Luggy, Brian Thompson, you know John Gardner, Duke Rugby, it was amazing. And now I'm getting to interview some of them. I, yeah. was, I was actually, you know, shitting myself when I was interviewing <laughs> the likes of Martin Stewart and stuff because I like, you know, they must be thinking, who is this guy? He's never yeah. played the game really. He's now he's not, you know, he's just winging it. So yeah. for the first like couple of series, I was kind of like winging it and shitting myself about interviewing them. But actually, you know, most most of these guys are really humble down to earth and just want to share their stories yeah um, there's not been anyone who's been really big time uh, and demanding it and you know i've never paid anyone a penny to do it no and so i've been the same been great. i've been the same i mean I, I i think one of the most nervous ones i ever did was actually craig brown i mean craig's an absolute legend of scottish football obviously really survived aberdeen a little bit from a really yeah. awful time under mark mcgee and i was invited to craig's house to do a podcast with him. i'm going to share a story with yourself on this one because i was actually all set to go and interview craig it was a friday um afternoon um i was coming out of work and uh, i was coming down the lift and the lift broke and uh, I was stuck in the lift for half an hour and I was like, crap, I need to be at Craig's for around four o'clock so I'm going to be interviewing him for this. So I got on the phone to Craig and says, hiya Craig, um, hope you're well, sorry about this, I've been stuck in a lift and I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it. He says, well, let me know when you're free and I'll, I'll come around. About 15 minutes later, the, the lift had opened up and I managed to get out and I, got, I kind of got a bus and got up to this place and I arrived there at half past four and by the time I started meeting Craig and, and obviously chatting with him, we, we started at five o'clock I didn't finish with him till about half past eight I had three and a half hours with him and I, I did a part one and a part two which you can find on Anchor FM if you want to catch up with that podcast then to just spend three and a bit hours with, with Craig Brown James I mean I, I could not Brilliant. tell you what a gent he was I mean it goes down un undoubtedly as my best show I mean as you, as I alluded to there I've chatted with people like Guy Mowbray people like Rob McLean is one of my commentary icons um, people uh -huh. like Matt Holland people like Richard Gordon and to just meet Craig face to face and chat with him especially before this coronavirus that will live with me yeah. for forever and you know what a fantastic guy but you've mentioned some great guys as well that you've interviewed I mean you interviewed Colin Hendry didn't you? Yeah, well, that was a, as, as a big Scotland follower, you know, home and away. Um, that was that was brilliant, and to do it in his local pub in Keith. Um, again, I'm like you. I was probably putting the putting the knickers a bit doing that one, but uh, <laughs> my, my mate Daz McAllister, who I must give a shout out to, he, he played in that great Vale team that, that won the league for the first time. Uh, he his contact book is bursting with people, and it's him that's kind of hooked me up with a lot of. A lot Brilliant. of people, including Colin, including Kim Little. Uh, so uh, he came along with me and kind of, he'd, he'd known him a bit already. So that kind of eased me in and we had a pint and we just had a chat and it, it was brilliant. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. And, Colin, and Colin Hendry's a, a, a Scotland legend, but, but also a Premier League winner as well. You know, you don't right. get many like that, do you? No, uh, 
amazing defender, put his heart in the line, uh, his body on the line for Scotland as well. Uh, loved watching him play. Yeah, and it, it, to meet him was great. Uh, and it, it's funny, I was probably starstruck, but the rest of the guys in the pub were obviously used to used to being there, so they, they were probably laughing at this idiot up from Bath uh, fawning over. I was probably drooling and hanging out the back of him a bit, but I didn't care. I mean, a lot of people like <laughs> himself must be getting really um, kind of fed up of that Gazical from Euro '96. I mean, well, as a Scotland fan, kinda, it's still yeah. one of the best goals against. Scotland I've ever seen but you know for him it must be pretty awful I would have thought yeah. and I was I was at that game I was at Wembley that day as a, as a 12 year old and I was crying uh, like everyone else but uh, he um, his comeback to that is always well uh, I'm 1-0 up on Premier League winners medals true true and <laughs> I think that's <laughs> a great comeback absolutely great comeback no I, I absolutely agree with that and uh, yeah I mean if Colin's listening um, a big shout for me because I, I think he's a terrific player and, and you know I personally believe doesn't get the credit he deserves because you know as I said no, a Premier League winner yeah um, I, I think that he uh, he, he McAllister missed a penalty that game as that's well right. and he said him and him and McAllister both uh, got a tough time from the Scotland fans which, which is embarrassing really yeah. because Gary McAllister is probably one of our greatest players in the last certainly in the last sort of 20 30 years he was a phenomenal player and we probably could have had him uh, for longer uh, when you look what he did at Liverpool mm-hmm. could have had him playing for Scotland for a lot longer than he did because after that injury he got before World Cup 98 he never yeah. played again I don't think yeah that's or certainly not very often no not very often that is for sure now you've interviewed now you've interviewed two people that can associate with Aberdeen which mm-hmm. I think is absolutely fantastic you've interviewed Stuart McKimmy and Kim yes. Little who you mentioned I mean what were they like to chat with um I'll be honest with you about Stuart McKimmy. I'd heard from a couple of people that he was he was quite um, quite bitter about things um, and not the nicest of guys. But I found I found that to be total total opposite. I spoke to him twice on the phone once before and then obviously for recording, and he was very open and you know gave me all the time that I wanted. I think I was on the phone to him for about three hours, like you said, with Craig Brown. So I, I thought he was great, and it's his Aberdeen career stretched sort of from Fergie all the way through to, to that cup final win so yeah. he was captain so it was brilliant and it, it didn't end very well for him at Aberdeen really struggled when he when he left there and I think his relationship with the fans suffered a bit and he alluded to that in his, in his interview mm-hmm. which is a shame because he played a lot of games for Aberdeen mm-hmm. Yeah, and what about Kim Little because obviously a Scotland internationalist I mean that's a, yes. a fantastic coup for yourself Absolutely brilliant um, Kim, you know, the amount of caps and goals for Scotland, but also, you know, women's Premier League titles, titles in America, titles in Australia, you know, played with all those great players like Rapinoe and, and Hope Solo and, you know, unbelievably humble with it. Just, uh, you know, uh, Scott Murray said to me on uh, last week when I interviewed him, you know, you can take the person out of out of Mintla but you kind of take Mintla out of the person Definitely. you know if you go back big time to Mintla you're going to get slapped down by somebody yeah. I think being from up here certainly grounds you Absolutely. I think it also makes makes making it tougher being in from this area but certainly keeps you grounded yeah absolutely and and when I I mean I'm going to give a bit of a shout out to Leanne Crayon because she's been doing a lot of really good stuff with her Behind the Goals podcast and she's been chatting ah, yes. alongside Rachel Corsi with lots of uh, um, footballers in the, in the women's game and I, I love her conversations with people there there's a lot of great crack with the, with the girls and they've got a lot of uh, great stories to share and, and, and Kim as I mentioned a, a fantastic player but, but Rachel Corsi yeah. obviously as well Yes, aye. No, but, and I, I think things are things are, are far away from where they should be, but the women's game is certainly uh, becoming more popular and getting more coverage, uh, and it's good to see, because there are a lot of good players. Absolutely, absolutely. And you mentioned Stuart McKimmy. I mean, I chatted with Brian Irvin on my 99th show. I mean, I mean, Brian ah, yes. is just an absolute legend of Aberdeen, and everyone talks to him about that winning penalty. And I ask him, I mean, what's it like to, you know, still do you still get asked about it when you're out in the street? And he says, well, yes, now and again, but not too much. And, and you know, to be honest, uh-huh. I don't want it to always be about that. You know, it's all about, you know, the future for Aberdeen. He's such a humble guy. Uh, well, McKimmy says that he was—he had the only penalty with no pressure because everyone else had to score to keep them in the game. He could have missed his, and the penalties would have went on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, uh, it, it, it's amazing that that is t- 
20, well, thir- well, 30 years ago now. I mean, it's quite One extra- of the first Scottish Cups I can remember watching on the telly. It's one yeah. of the first ones I remember. Well, it's, it's extraordinary that Aberdeen have not won a Scottish Cup since 1990. I mean, it's you know... It, I mean, I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, obviously you're a Rangers fan, but that that 2017 final, the the Rogic game, still irks yeah. me. And, and it's it's, yeah. it's Rogic is the scourge of 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 Aberdeen, but that winning goal, um, it, it, I just never want to see it again because it, it just <laughs> makes me so upset. I like to see Cali winning the uh, uh, trophies though, because we had a, a bit of connection with, with Inverness when Steve Parson went up there. Mm-hmm. Our allegiance kind of went up there, and I saw a lot of. Lot of Cali games when they were in the third, second, and first division. So it, it was great to see them make the leap into uh, Premier League uh, and getting a cup win as well. Yeah. Um, and you know that that teams back in the day, that Cali teams were absolutely amazing. Loved it. Um, it was actually at Parkhead the day that uh, they went ballistic. Yeah. Um, one of my favourite games I've I've been to yeah. in my life, definitely. I'm, I'm glad you brought Inverness up because I've two counts on that. Well, actually, three counts for that. One I chatted with Barry Wilson on this, who you know, yeah, and he was magnificent that night. Absolutely fantastic. It was probably one of the best games I think he ever played. I think that whole Cali team were absolutely superb that night. And, and I chatted to Greg Tansey recently, and obviously the, the last Cali yes, team yes. to have won um, the Scottish Cup under John Hughes. That's I mean, great. two fantastic Inverness sides. But I wanted to ask you about Steve Patterson because you know, yes. obviously, he's well respected and terms of his time at Cali and obviously went on to manage Aberdeen and then obviously he's had a, a, a period in the Highland League. I mean, what was he like to uh-huh. chat with? Well, I've not I've not actually done him yet, Grant. Oh, okay. He's up in a couple of weeks. He's going to be the uh, season finale. Brilliant. So, uh, But I, I know Steve. Uh, I've worked with him actually uh, away from football and uh, we obviously knew him when we were kids as well with my dad's well, connection. That'll be, that'll be fantastic. Um, so, uh, okay, so I've ind- inadvertently given you a plug there. So if those are uh, listening... Yeah. Um, want to get on that um, Beyond Canal part with James uh, Chang with uh, Steve Pelly passing. I'm pretty sure it'll be well worth uh, a listen. I'll certainly be listening oh, yeah. to that for sure. great about the northeast james is you've got your stuff i'm obviously indirectly doing my stuff and then you also have the the superb two blokes and the mic guys who That's are doing right. some tremendous stuff as well we have a great sort of northeast trilogy kind of going on no i know it's good and the, the podcast community it's not like sort of other uh sort of things where everyone seems to be pretty friendly where they're plugging each other and it seems to be a, a podcast thing i don't know but uh I don't. I don't personally know really uh, Mass and Dunk and Mike uh, from that show, but uh, we have talked since they started up. We've talked a bit over over WhatsApp and stuff, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to do a collaboration with them at some point as well. But uh, a good guys. I know Ma- Mass has had a few picks in my best eleven thing that I do in the podcast. Uh, so I know guys talk about him as an uncompromising centre half and a, a great player for Turriff. Yeah. Um, It'll be good to sort of get to know those guys if, if we manage to get something done together. But I've enjoyed their show. It's a bit different to, to what I'm doing in terms of interviews. They they have the uh, banter and review the week's uh, yeah. the week's football, which mm-hmm. is great to listen to and. Uh, Something that I might have thought about doing myself if I had any pals to do it with. <laughs> I think I would have been exactly the same. But I think it's good that we all have different ideas in terms of doing. I mean, I like to do a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, I like yeah. to have a little bit of predictions, a little bit of a group ones, a little bit of one to ones like we're doing. And I think varying it up wherever you're going or wherever you're listening to uh, is really good and I get a lot of ideas like you mentioned uh, from other podcasts you know I, I listen to Totally Football Show I'm a massive fan yeah. of James Richardson one of my heroes and I'd, he's my number one guest I'd love on the show um, so James mm-hmm. if you're listening I want to still chat with you um, but I listened as I said to The Score and I over in Northern Ireland with Michael Clark which is absolutely fantastic and the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slavin and J.J. Bull and just a range yeah. of different ideas that I pick up from, from other shows I think that's a good thing and you know and, uh, people are not seeing this but I'm wearing the tennis podcast which is one of my favourite non-football <laughs> podcasts and that's another yeah. good show and I like the way that they speak on that and I've spoken with Charlie Eccleshare on this show that contributes oh, yeah. towards that so it's good to get different ideas and perspectives all over the place it certainly sharpens your game up I think 
think so. And uh, although I'm predominantly football based, I have had sort of Billy Stewart on, who's, who's a local boxer around here, and he he's one to look out for. I think he'll be fighting for for Scottish and British mm-hmm. titles within the next year or two. Uh, I've had our local councillor on for, for one. Um, so I, I'm not always stuck on football, but, mm-hmm. but it is predominantly. But uh, it's good to to test yourself uh, in different areas once in a while. I'd, I'd hope to get a couple of local musicians on at some mm-hmm. point as well mm-hmm. how big can beyond canal park go because you know you're already heading towards the end of your second or third series is that right and third yeah third well, we're kind of getting through the third yeah absolutely fantastic it seems like it's going from strength to strength i mean i i everybody asks me i mean how far can i go and you know i've, I've done over 100 shows at my side and you know i'm enjoying yeah. them and i don't really look at where the the end point is i just i just feel if people are stopping listening to it that's when i stop but people are still listening yeah. to what i have to say so that's obviously a good thing definitely and uh, i know you you're putting out a lot of shows and uh, I guess uh, I've got kids and a wife who like to see me as well so the amount of time because of my terrible technical abilities the amount of time it takes me to uh, edit stuff and record stuff uh, one a week's definitely fine for me I I like to spend time with my wife as well so uh, (laughs) but I need need to thank her because uh, you know, before lockdown, there was strange guys turning up to the house every Thursday, and people must be wondering what was going on. So yeah. I need to thank her for for allowing that to happen. The, 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 the great benefits of my side and not being attached, which is a big plus. So but, if uh, anybody's listening, in terms don't get of, married. Terms, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. In uh, terms of how far I can go, I don't. I like to, although I've had some some really good names. I like to keep it linked to the north of Scotland, and even mm-hmm. these big names that I've had have, have had links up here. Uh, you know, Kim Little and Scott Murray and, uh, and Colin Hendry are all from this area. So uh, I guess, you know, it's it's a thing that's maybe grow around here, but I don't see it becoming uh, sort of time-consuming and then uh, countrywide. I don't think people are, are interested other than in our corner of Scotland to what yeah. I've got to say. But it amazes me how many people do listen and have listened and uh, I get a buzz out of it and I just love doing it. I love, yeah. I love talking about football I'm a lot better at talking about it I think than uh, playing it but people yeah. might uh, disagree with that as well but uh, yeah. I, I love it and as long as I'm enjoying it doing it and uh, still have the time and somebody is still listening other than, than my mum then yeah. uh, I'm happy as a podcaster, what advice would you give to people who are doing these sorts of things? I mean, in terms of preparing for a show, um, mm. how long would you spend researching said person, making sure yeah. you've edited stuff? You know, what 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 kind of tools and techniques would you give as advice to people? Yes, uh, I'm a kind of live life now kind of guy. So if you're thinking about doing something, just go and bloody do it instead of procrastinating and thinking about it that's that's the first message yeah, i just definitely. i just went and did it i didn't have a clue what i was doing i bought a 50 pound mic that plugs into the end of my phone um and just used my phone on a tripod and we huddled together with a guest and <laughs> spoke into this mic that's how i did it to start with edited it on the anchor app that i recorded on yeah. it's free to use they pl- they put out your podcast on uh, apple and spotify for you yes. you don't have to do it uh, which is brilliant. Research, yes, definitely do your research. Uh, spend at least at least a, a whole evening probably researching the guest, talking to teammates, old teammates, get numbers for them, research them, get some funny stories, just in case. Some people are naturally funny and you don't need to prepare, but some people need a wee prod, and sometimes having that story in your head can, can prompt them to remember it and tell it themselves. Yeah. And probably I, I try and speak as little as I can because I think people want to hear from the guests not me so definitely uh, yeah no, but editing wise I tried to start when I first started I tried to edit out every eh and um and you just can't do it you pee at it all the time absolutely so you just kind of chop it down to a manageable both size and, and release it no definitely I mean I, I use Goldwave uh, for editing okay. I think it's a really good software and I don't know I, I mean I've tried with GG Bull if he's listening because uh, GG <laughs> Bull does a lot of stuff with uh, Totally Football Show and he, he's been giving nice. me some advice so you know that that's uh, a great thing and I, I still keep in touch with GG on Twitter and obviously a former local guy up this way so obviously very great to, to know his roots as well so uh, right. but I think it's good that you can have different ideas and identities in terms of how to yeah, yeah. keep building the podcast
Now you must yourself have some really exciting stories to share from your time. Can you share some of them with me? Um, I, I can. I guess uh, a lot of my football was done at an amateur level, um, but also at uni. Uh, so I, I played um, I played men's football from the age of 15 in the Welfare League for Portsoy FC, a great club, playing with some great men. But then I went to uni uh, when I was 18 and I went to St Andrews, um, which is quite a pretty known for, for posh schoolboys that go there. But uh, So I was probably more streetwise than, than a lot of the other team. I ended up becoming the captain and we played in the Fife League. Uh, the name of Fife League probably tells you all you need to know about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we were playing against some right character. There was a Phil and Grant Mitchell in every every uh, team, and uh, we were often having to be escorted out the towns uh, after we beat them. <laughs> the bus was getting pelters every week. Uh, I remember one day. I mean, we had every nationality playing in our team. We had a Moroccan, with a Japanese guy. We were mostly English, and I was the only Scottish guy in the team this day. Yeah, and. Uh, I just remember one of the fans saying, come on, get into these posh twats. There's only one Scottish guy playing and he's probably the janitor's loon. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a, a memorable moment, uh, getting getting spat at, running down the line and stuff. So uh, it was a fair old league. Yeah. Uh, I also, uh, part of the uni team, we went to... Uh, we did a couple of tours, actually, football tours. So we went to Barcelona one time um, and we played two teams out there. One was meant to be a really bad team just to get us warmed up. Uh, so we turned up to play. It was like 40 degrees and they beat us 9-0. So, oh, God, we're playing against the best team in uh, in Barcelona the next day, or the best uni team. What's that? What scores are going to be? But uh, we rocked up there. And it, it, luckily, it was a grass pitch this time, so it more suited us. And their striker came up to me. I was playing centre-half at the time. And uh, said, look, no shin guards, uh, please don't kick. So I got the guys together and I said, let's just kick these guys off the park. And we ended up only losing 2-1, but uh, it was certainly bully boy tactics against the tiki-taka. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to get away with that these days. Uh, we went to Sri Lanka as well, that was an eye-opener. Oh, brilliant. We went to Sri Lanka with the uni, uni what's a, what's a um, wonderful country. It was pre-tsunami as well, mm. um, but you know, you're just struck by the poverty. That was an eye-opener to me. I do, uh, I can talk about it if you want later, yeah. but I do a bit of charity work um, uh, for a charity that, that me and my dad and my brother have set up locally in Zimbabwe. But this was my first taste of sort of real abject poverty. Uh, it was unbelievable. We rolled at the towns in our bus and it was like David Beckham and his gang were coming in. It was unbelievable. You know, we were getting treated like celebs. Uh, unfortunately, the guy who booked it never told us it was monsoon season. So we actually yeah. spent more time playing football in the hotel lobby than we did uh, on the pitch. <laughs> but yeah. we got... Uh, we got uh, entered into this football tournament while we were there so like great we'll get to play it was a nice day we turned up and it was a blooming kids football tournament <laughs> we were there fully kitted with the boots on and it was eight nine year old kids that were in this tournament so we ended up just being the ball boys that day and uh, didn't get to play but uh, that was funny yeah we also i don't know how much you know about the political situation out in sri lanka but the tamil tigers kind of control the north mm. so a dissident dissident terrorist group yeah and we were up there we did a tour right around the country and then we we're up in a place called trincomalee and we we're out playing tennis at the hotel because you know five-star hotel was like five five dollars a night five rupees or whatever uh, we're playing tennis outside and all of a sudden gunfire erupted in the woods beside the tennis court so we're all running Jeez. for our lives it was uh, it was scary stuff mm-hmm. yeah i mean sri lanka is a, a, a great country i mean i've never been but i know a few friends who've done charity work and expeditions there and when yeah. i speak to them they have so some incredible stories to share. Yeah, well, we do some work in Zimbabwe now uh, as part of our charity. It's it's also for helping our our own kids who get a lot out of helping others because our kids often think that they are sort of the lowest of the low, and it gives them a, mm-hmm. a sense of the world that actually they've got it pretty good despite having yeah. such a hard upbringing. Yeah. They've got it pretty good, um, but we do a lot of work out there. We've actually played some football games out there, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. That's the biggest crowds I've ever played. Of three, four, five thousand people come from absolutely out of nowhere to watch these games played on an almost vertical pitch full of goat shit and stuff and uh, (laughs) you know half of them don't have boots but uh, I ended up breaking my toe playing one of those games booting a guy he had no shoes on and I broke my toe (laughs) (laughs) 
that hardy buggers it there, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I was trying, I think it was to um, either Stephen Body or Dean Donaldson when, on a previous podcast, and I was saying to him mm-hmm. about um, you know, a seniors or a veterans or a legends um, Highland yeah. League special with you know, like like almost like your your um, uh, oh, what, what was the name of the, the, the program? You know, the, the Masters Football um, oh, kind yeah, of style yeah. up here. I think that would be tremendous, Patter. That'd be good, yeah. That'd yeah. be good. Yeah, I think I would have to do the commentary though, because I'm not, as I said, I'm not technically great. <laughs> you can join me in the commentary box if you want. <laughs> you can play in goal. You were only too bad in no, no, well, I think, uh, well, I just turned 37 on Saturday. I think my, my playing days are probably behind me now, but uh, maybe on a Masters, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, are you, so are you still involved with Devon side the club at the moment? I'm still in the, I'm, I'm on the committee still. Um, I kind of. I've given up my role as, as physio. I was getting fed up with rubbing guys' bums uh, before games. Because <laughs> you've done a bit of everything, haven't you? You've 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 done well, a bit yeah, of goalkeeping. You've some, done a bit of refereeing quality. as well. I mean, you've yes. done it all. Some quality times as physio, really. Some funny funny moments uh, as physio. My discipline was probably worse as a physio than it was as a player, and I probably got booked every game as a player. Um, but physio, I just kind of lost it a few times. And there was one guy giving me absolute pelters, and he tried to block my way when I was running on to give a guy treatment. So I just booted him. Uh, <laughs> so the whole time I was giving our player treatment, I was getting stamped on by their team. <laughs> the referee hadn't seen any of it, but they were stamping on my legs when I was on my knees uh, giving treatment. It was at Sunny Bank, I think. Uh, no, Stony Wood. No, so, dear. Uh, you probably remember that. I, this is uh, before they came Stony Wood Park Vale. <laughs> Yes, no, it's after. It was only a couple of years ago. Oh, boy. But, uh, that's a fun- We've had some funny moments with some of the guys as well. And poor Duncan Phillip, who's a guy who played for us for years, he um, we were get we were getting beat by Hermes. It was half time. Uh, we were three 0 down at half time, and the Wayne was giving us absolute dogs abuse. The manager um, and everyone was trying to be serious. And I'd put a bottle down on the bed, the massage bed, and Donkey Donkey picked it up and took a massive hope of it at half time. Well, it was my massage oil. Ooh. So uh, <laughs> the guys had clocked this, and everyone's trying not to laugh. And he's trying not to be sick, and we're getting pelters to the gaffer, so uh, uh, that was a, a funny moment in this week. And poor, worst was to follow for poor Donkey, because uh, if anyone knows him, uh, he got his teeth corrected a couple of years ago. He got a three grand smile. He oh, paid great. thousands to get this, this new teeth. It grows a thousand every time we tell the story, but so it must be about 10,000 it costs by now. But, yeah. Uh, we were playing cooter at Canal Park, the old park, and uh, he went up for a header and went down injured. And there, the cuter guys are all shouting at him, get up, get up. But I think we were drawing or something, and there was a couple of minutes to go. And we were all shouting at him as well, donkey, get get up, get on with it. Uh, so I went over to see if he was okay. And, uh, yeah, his new teeth were in the back of his mouth. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he had no luck with that. No, absolutely some, not. Some when I first started the physio as well, it was kind of, I went and got us all stocked up properly. But before that, <laughs> a guy actually broke his leg. It was Gavin Aitken. And we had no stretcher or nothing to get him off. And uh, we ended up, we found a coffin lid in the change. I don't know why it was there, but it was a coffin lid was in the back of the store cupboard. And we took him off the pitch, four of us on a coffin lid. And when the ambulance arrived, they just shook their heads. They were like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> so he's lying on a foil blanket in a coffin lid. So... Unbelievable. Let's just hope there's not an, an empty coffin somewhere and it could have maybe found well, it. Well, I hope not. It's an unused coffin, eh? But uh, I don't know why it was in the changing rooms, but it was there. Yeah. So, yeah, and you talked about refing as well. I, d- I did do refereeing. Um, I did my course up here. Actually, the guy who put me through my course was Douglas Ross, MP. Uh, he, I did my course in Keith, and that's he's where he's from. That area, the new Conservative leader of Scotland. So uh-huh. he's not, he's a he's an AR now. So he he did that. He did the course, but uh, I then moved to Edinburgh shortly after. I taught down there. I was a teacher down there, mm. and uh, I did a lot of games in the Central Belt. And the juniors down there, are fantastic. I did like Newton Grange against Linlithgow and ran the line for that. And unbelievable crowds, you know, five, six, seven hundred for games there. And, <laughs> the pelters you got from the fans is unbelievable running that line I was always this young guy sent out to the far away sides uh, where the stands were so mm-hmm. I was getting dogs abuse every week but I loved yeah. it yeah. Uh, I loved it I also managed to do a lot of sort of women's SPL games running Ooh. the line for them uh-huh. uh, and under 18s 21s at, at Hearts and Hibs and then I got called up to do a bounce game between the first teams Hearts and St Johnston at Rickerton so that was quality wow. Jim Jeffries was a gaffer 
and as I was walking out to the pitch, Jim came up behind me and I walked walked to the pitch. It was a fair distance around the back at Rickerton and uh, had a good chat with Jim Jeffries about the old days because this was his second spell, about his 90s spells and stuff. And he was a really nice guy and he got on great and he says, you have a good game, son, I'll be at your side, blah, 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 I'll look after you. He spent the whole 90 minutes shouting in my ear that I was shit. It's <laughs> <laughs> just a pounce game, you know. But uh, some good players played that day. I think Christian Nadi, is it? Was that the right yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah. Hearts. Yeah. Ian Black and a couple of the Lithuanian guys he had. And uh, Stephen Anderson was playing for uh, St. Johnson. So it was, it was really good, but it was, uh, it was hard to keep up uh, uh, with that with that pace of games, even at, even in a bounce game. Yeah, Jim Jeffries um, is an absolute legend of Scottish football, and that, that's a terrific story. That, but the, the stretcher story that that that's an absolute uh, well, yeah, <laughs> absolutely some funny moments as, as the yeah. old physio like. Yeah, um, but, uh, yeah, go on. It, it, going back to ref, and I, I quit for a few reasons. One, my son was born. It, it, to be honest, give refs their due. It's more of a commitment being a ref than a player because mm-hmm. you've got to arrive first, you've got to leave last, you've got to prepare. I could have been doing down the centre about games every day, so time was an issue. I wanted to keep playing because refereeing, you train twice a week. I was actually the fittest I'd been in a long time, so I wanted to get back to playing. And the third thing was, I found that too often when I was running the lines, ref was ref taking the easy option, making the wrong decisions because it was easier, mm-hmm. uh, which really frustrated me. I, I gave a go as a linesman because it clearly crossed the line it was a big game it had been a needly match a team had equalised or won it was a draw but the team team had won it in the last minute with a header and gone over the line and been clawed out and the ref overruled me it made me look an idiot uh, and overruled it to, for the easy option and that was kind of final nail in the coffin for me for yeah. refereeing um, yeah. if that was going to happen your face had to fit in refereeing as well you had to have a certain calibre of job and things it was mm-hmm. a bit of a kind of fraternity of, of jobs for boys t- to get on as well so yeah. although I probably did meet the criteria that kind of sickened me of it mm-hmm. um, and you'd think that I'd have more of a uh, you know a soft spot for refs now but I don't I can <laughs> see the mistakes they're making I can see them getting things wrong and I just think you know it actually makes me worse yeah <laughs> Yeah, because I, I mean, I, I haven't been involved with Ellen United as I mentioned a few times on this. You know, I, I've watched a lot of junior league referees, and yeah. I see them if they don't start games well um, inside the first fifteen twenty minutes and sort of set their stall out. Uh, they know it's no, going to be a yeah. tough afternoon for either your team or for the game as a whole. And uh, many right. times I've seen referees either be very whistle happy or they can't control the game uh, and they, they show an early booking and things like that. And you just think, you know, come on, guys. Nah. You know, we're, we're, we want to see a good free flowing game of football. We want to see challenges being let go. That's my biggest gripe. I mean, I, I mean, I, I've got a few friends of mine who've done refereeing. I myself have done refereeing, mm. albeit at seven side level and, 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 and to be honest it's it's a hard job it's a hard job and I, I wouldn't recommend it on anybody because you don't get any thanks for it to be honest with you I, I have a great deal of sympathy for referees like Bobby Madden and, and Willie Collum in Scottish football I, I, I think they make quite a lot of mistakes I, I'm, I'm the first to have a go at them but I think they have a toughest job in the game and you know I think they need the help I mean I mean everybody's talking yeah, about yeah. VAR and technology you know I, I, I think you know Scott, any referee needs anything to help them you know whether it is yeah, technology no. or something the current VAR I think it needs adaptation but you know I think we're in a stage now where you know there's just too much money swirling around the game especially at a higher level you know yeah, you yeah. need as much help as you can no definitely I agree I, I was all for VAR at the start uh, I think it's a good thing it works well in other sports I'm, a, I'm an NFL fan um, I occasionally watch rugby but um, it works well in those sports mm-hmm. um, and I think we're not using it right at the moment mm-hmm. uh, I think Especially the rest have control over it and come to the side um, but I also on the, on the flip side of that I'm not always a fan of things being implemented at football that can't be implemented at every level. Definitely. Yeah, and it's not, you can't implement that in junior and high school. No, absolutely. Football, and it, that's a big gripe. It. Yeah, that's a big gripe because yeah. obviously the money's not money's not trickling down the system. It, it's, a, it's a real shame yeah. at junior level because, uh, you know, they're, they're certainly, especially when you're down the bottom fighting to stay up and, you know, you don't get an, uh, a decision. You know, it, it can be very tough, but that's, nah. just, the, that's just the beauty of the beast, nah. isn't it? Money's killing the game at all levels Definitely. because those te- teams are hoarding players. They're not getting a chance to play down the levels, which affects the quality of teams at every at every level. You know, back in the day, you would have a squad of 14, 15, 16, and players, great players, weren't being 
left on benches and on sta- and in stands, they were getting a chance to play at the lower leagues. Yeah. And if they were good enough, they would they would get back up. And the quality of the product in each league was a lot better. Yeah, no, absolutely. James, we're coming to the end of what's well, been a terrific chat. I mean, I, I want to keep on chatting, but we're we're running out of time. I mean, what is the no, future? Well, I'll get you on my show, Grant. Definitely, I, definitely. I, I think I need to reciprocate because I think we have a, a, a lot yeah. of great discussions. What does the future hold for you personally? Because obviously, you're still cracking on with this as your venture. Um, obviously, you're very yep. much very involved with Dever and Side still, and good luck to you guys for the season ahead when that starts, whenever that may be. Um, what does the future hold? Well, I think uh, just this, that last point. I think it looks like we're going to get going again in October. So uh, if you're coming down with Ellen, you, you can come and be my guest, and uh, you can get a free pie. That's about all we can offer. But uh, we can come and watch the game and us. <laughs> Um, I think we took six points off you last year, so uh, oh. you maybe two one. I, I think we, uh, I think we t- managed to get uh, a big result in the Grill Cup against you guys, though. Uh, a so. last minute equaliser so. for my good pal Hamish Bar if he's listening. Uh, bundled in a corner. Uh, bundled in a corner. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I was bitter earlier on, so it's your turn to be the same. Nah, thing, so it's good. But, uh, in terms of in terms of the future, just open to. I mean, as long as as long as there's a few people listening to the podcast and still enjoying it, I'll I'll keep it going. In terms of uh, my playing days are done; they never really got started, so <laughs> they're they're definitely done. Um, but in terms of goalie coaching, is maybe something that I've always thought about. Uh, the guys, the new kind of management team at Devon side of. Yeah. have asked me to do it I've kind of put them off a bit but maybe in, in the future where yeah. it's something I might might think about and the team my old team for Soy FC I'd love to go back and, and manage them one day maybe when I'm a bit older and, and the kids are a bit grown and I'm, I've not got much to do <laughs> I'll maybe uh, have a couple of seasons doing that I always thought I would do that whether I do or not I don't know um, and then continue following Scotland obviously home and away as much as I can I love doing that I love international football that's another thing the money's killing international football yeah, I think uh, I'm still a big fan of it my dad I'd say we went to Euro 96 and we had to miss we had to miss World Cup 98 because uh, I think it was exams or something but it was, a, it was a good reason and my dad promised us he'd take us to the next World Cup because we qualified all the time back then but we're still trying yeah we're still trying <laughs> we're, we're still, still trying. trying to get to the next I've, I've, World Cup so that's I've a, lost hope that's a big know, game <laughs> I lost hope after the, the Italy game against Scotland uh, those years ago the, so that's the a big free game. kick that never that's was dead. yeah, yeah. Very, very, and hopefully very get into some more get into some more uh, Highland League and Junior Definitely. games having more Saturdays free now that I'm not doing the physio and that to, to go see other teams I'm mm-hmm. going to watch Devon Vale and uh, uh, you know quite a few of the guests I've had on have invited me along to their clubs you know, yeah that I'm, the same. I'm the same um, I know Scotty Murray invited me down to Bristol the last day oh brilliant so I'll That'd definitely take him up on that yeah. I'd got... love to go and, and meet some of these guys that I've only talked to on Zoom yeah absolutely uh, because the first couple of seasons I was managing to meet guys and now I've not and there's like some guys I'd really love to meet so it'd be good to go and watch a game with some of these guys and yeah. I, they might never want to see me again though <laughs> I don't know I've not asked them yeah. <laughs> yeah ditto at my side as well James what a terrific chat I really enjoyed our conversation thanks for coming on Campbell's Fubles all the best to you no problem I enjoyed it thank you Doc well listener that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Fubles I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91 on Instagram or other social media channels. But until then, until next time, I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's Footballs. What a dangerous night!